Uh, is this thing still on? It's been a while. This show's been on hiatus for a couple of months. I told you that Doug and I were going to put something together, the likes of which you had not ever seen before, and I still plan to do that. But it's not going to happen in the immediate future because I've got bigger things on my plate right now. So what I wanted to do was, well, something. And uh, Doug and I started talking, and he said, Hey, um, hey, remember the Deeper Thought podcast you did a couple of years ago? Doug and I decided that we could go through some of those episodes. Over the next several weeks, several months, you're going to get access to what you previously weren't able to. Hopefully, this little provocation will help you sell something that you haven't sold before. And uh, stay tuned for these episodes as they drop week over week. I think you're going to take something away from them. I know you're going to be entertained by them. And uh, I just, I can't wait to talk to you again real soon. My name's Jeff Bajoric, and my career in sales has been a hell of a ride. And I want to bring you along with me. If you prefer to sell things at a premium, if you never want to win a deal on price, rethink the way you sell. Welcome back to the show. My name's Jeff Bajoric. I'm your host, and I'm here to help you rethink the way you sell. Now, as I was sketching out season five with Doug before I started recording, this was a couple of months ago, um, there was this spot in our uh, you know, our little spreadsheet here, uh, which is kind of coincidental because of the story I'm going to tell you in a little bit. But our, you know, basically our season planning tool, right, what we were using, uh, I just filled in this blank with, I should probably say something about the CRM. And it was in italics because it certainly wasn't a show title or anything like that. And I considered actually leaving that as the title of this episode, but it really wouldn't communicate uh, the point of view that I'm trying to lay out here. And look, I've got feelings about the CRM. I know you have feelings about the CRM. I've got feelings about them as a rep. I've got feelings about them as a leader. I've got feelings about them as a consultant. And I can tell you right now, that on the surface, it feels like a pain in the neck. No question. So I'm hoping to win over a couple of you here <laughs> before you leave, uh, because what could be less inspiring than a podcast about the CRM? Well, if you think about just putting yourself in a place right now, just consider putting yourself in the mental space, in a vulnerable enough space to listen to my point of view on why the CRM is valuable and why you're probably not using it the right way. And maybe over the next eight to 10 minutes or so, uh, I'll be able to maybe just give you a different perspective, right? And you come here for a different perspective, right? You come here to rethink the way you sell, right? Give me that space. I'm asking you for it right now. And I promise you will not be disappointed with the way I'm asking to approach, or the way I'm asking you, rather, to approach this uh, topic. Now, most CRM systems are implemented all incorrectly. And it's not the system itself. It's the fact that you're being asked to do something, right? Managers are looking over your shoulder. Managers are telling you that you need to be doing certain things and we need to see it so that we know that you're working because we pay you money and blah, blah, blah. It is such a tool for um, the advocacy of distrust or mistrust or lack of trust, however you want <laughs> to speak that out. But it's put out there in such a way to where, yeah, we don't believe you when you tell us you're working, so show us you're working and enter these, you know, these values into these fields, into this, this program. Um, yeah, if that's the way you've been taught to approach the CRM, if that's the way you have been told that you need to act in the field, um, yeah, I can see why you'd be upset with that. 
But I'm going to share with you in a couple of minutes a story from my uh, time in the field, eh, maybe just six or seven years, yeah, I'm dating myself now, maybe <laughs> 10 years ago now, I learned early enough in my career for it to be formative and late enough in my career for it to have taught me something that the CRM is worth more than what you're putting into it. And there's a small percentage of you who are just nodding your heads right now and you love using your tool and that is great. And there are a lot of you who are still shaking your head saying, Bajoric, you are losing my attention. You are losing my patience. Get to the point. Well, I want to take you back to the purpose of all this. And I want you to think about the CRM tools that you are using right now, even if you don't enter keystrokes into a software. Do you use a yellow legal pad? Do you use a spreadsheet? Do you use a whiteboard? Do you just have a, a pocketbook with a, you know, a small pad of paper and maybe one of those little small pens so it all fits into the, the, the pocket of your, your, your sport coat or maybe the back pocket of your pants? Are you doing something to keep yourself organized with tasks, with important things to remember about customers, with next steps, with reminders to yourself to follow up? Yeah, look, if you're doing anything other than just recording all that stuff in your brain, you are using a CRM, even if it doesn't have a fancy title, even if it doesn't have some beautiful website. Look, what you are using to manage your customer relationships, yeah, that's your CRM. And I don't care if you use it in a cloud-based software. I don't care if you're still using ACT from the 80s on some computer that doesn't support that software anymore anyway. I don't care what it is that you're using. You are doing something to keep yourself organized. And that is what you need to remember as you graduate to these tools. And look, this podcast is not sponsored by any one of them. I've got some clients that use one software. I've got some clients that use another software. I've got uh, clients uh, that use their own bespoke software. I use even another one. I actually use several because I've got notes and whiteboards and you know software as well. So I just want you to keep in mind what the point of this all is. And I want you to try to deflect those thoughts, those feelings, those emotions that come up when someone else tells you you have to do it a certain way. You need to stop that. You need to block that. You need to compartmentalize that. And remember that if your best interests are aligned with the company's best interests and you can use the software or whatever it is accordingly to keep yourself organized, you're going to do the best work for yourself and that is going to lead to the best work for the company. Everybody's going to be happy. Now, if you've got a micromanager who's just breathing down your neck about the specific way you need to do the specific thing, I would suggest you look for somewhere else to work. But that's not a CRM problem. That's a management problem. Don't use the CRM as the scapegoat for your management problem and then sabotage your own work because you just didn't want to do it the way someone else told you to do it. That's an ego-driven decision. You're better than that. So... Why don't we get back to the main point? So what I want to tell you here is, despite the fact that you've got managers telling you to use it, despite the fact that um, you didn't probably get to, you probably didn't get to pick the system that you're using, remember what we're trying to do here. And I also want to, just a quick point, uh, before I dig into how you could use it and how it saved me more than once in the field, I want you to remember that there are a lot of people looking at this, 
particularly in small to medium-sized businesses who are making big decisions about forecasting, about financing, about um, you know growth and expansion and scaling, you're not the only one and your manager is not the only one that is looking at this data. And so for the health of the organization, this tool needs to be leveraged probably a little bit better than you are. So I want to tell you a story about how the CRM, actually an early rudimentary version of a CRM, aka an Excel spreadsheet, actually helped me stay organized and win deals that I wouldn't have won. And I want to tell you this story because this is the origin story of why CRMs are important. I mean, in, in my career, I mean, but they mirror why CRMs came to be. I mean, look, your CRM is just an opportunity for you to stay organized. It's an opportunity for you to look at your territory and the deals that you're working on uh, from a different perspective. You get to step back a little bit. Um, but, you know, the irony of where this story came from is that we actually were using Salesforce.com at the time, but not as a pipeline management tool. It was not a record of what was going to happen. It was a record of what had already happened. It was orders. It was a revenue dashboard. It was uh, order history from uh, the customer standpoint. We could look back into specifications and, and, and all these things. It was a database for us to uh, use for research and for reference, but not really a pipeline management tool. What I was using was a pipe for a pipeline management tool was just an Excel spreadsheet. I had two columns. These were the 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 customers, the the prospects that I was working on. And I'm messing around on video here. If you're watching the video feed, I'm trying to make sure my hands in frame. <laughs> but the uh, on the left side, I had my customers, and then just to the right of them, I had you know the activities for the week. And I started this practice because when I started with this company, there was an inside rep who was calling on the same territory as me. Uh, we were way ahead of our time. This was not necessarily an SDR. She was a fully functional, full bag, just inside sales rep. Uh, but we worked together and there was no, spl uh, no split on commission. So it was uh, this was before SDRs were even a thing. And again, Diane was more than an SDR, but we had an opportunity to collaborate. And she had four or five states and I had just the one, but uh, we had an opportunity to collaborate. And that meant that we needed to communicate. So I said, Diane, why don't I just send you a spreadsheet of where I've been calling for the last two weeks? I, I updated this on a uh, biweekly basis. For the last two weeks, here's what I've done. And for the next two weeks, here's what's on my horizon, right? Kept me organized, kept her organized, and it kept us communicating together. Um, and <laughs> what's funny is, uh, after a couple of years, uh, the company decided to go away from that structure. Uh, the inside sales team was kind of folded into customer service. Some of them ended up leaving. It was, you know, it was just a, a corporate decision. I won't, I won't comment on that right now. I missed Diane, though. I can tell you that much. But uh, we, as my manager started seeing what was going on, he said, Jeff, what's this spreadsheet you're sending back and forth to Diane? And I said, well, it's just communicating what what we're doing and whatnot. He said, that's a really good idea. I think I'm going to make the whole team do it, but I won't tell them it's your fault, Jeff. I'm like, well, yeah, gee, thanks. <laughs> right. I didn't ever want the credit to be, I didn't want the credit for making other people do more work. This was just a tool I was using to keep myself and my teammates organized. And as it grew, as it rolled out, uh, my job became not to just update my, my, colleagues here on a bi-weekly basis, it became that I needed to give my manager an update on a weekly basis on Thursday evenings 
This was the update on a weekly basis of what I had done that week. And I didn't like the oversight. I didn't like the idea that this thing had kind of been changed. My idea had been bastardized a little bit. But I went and I did it because that's what you do. So every Thursday night for 45 minutes and a beer, I would basically update my weekly activity. And again, the spreadsheet was really simple. What I did was I had my customers on the left side and then the right column, uh, just a two column spreadsheet. It was, hey, here's what happened this week. And if I had updates, I highlighted those cells in yellow. If I didn't have any updates, it just stayed blank, right? It just stayed, uh, you know, black and white. And this was just a really simple way to communicate what I had done. But more importantly, this was a time for me on a, you know, on a weekly basis to look at all of the active deals I was working on and see what I had done. If there was nothing to update, then what did I do that week? And if there was a lot of updates, well, then I knew that there were some things moving forward. But every once in a while, maybe once every six weeks, I would take a look at someone on the left column of that spreadsheet and say, oh my gosh, this person is no longer top of mind. I need to do something about this. There's a step I missed. There's a step I need to reconnect with. There's a, a meeting I need to schedule. I forgot about that opportunity. I got a number to hit. Can't afford to squander those. And so in that way, probably two, three times throughout my career with that company, throughout the, the four or five years after I started using this tool with that company, um, I caught deals and saved deals that I would have otherwise forgotten about. And that's the whole point here. Your tool, regardless of what it is, from yellow legal pad to whiteboard to spreadsheet to, you know, cloud-based software system that costs a lot of money to maintain. Are you using this for your benefit? Do you recognize the organization? Do you recognize the value of having that additional perspective to step back and look at your accounts and say, here's an opportunity I need to follow up on. Here's an opportunity I need to pursue. Here's an opportunity I need to progress. Are you looking at this as an opportunity for you to get better? Or are you just complaining that this is something you have to keep updated for someone else's benefit? That's the dichotomy here, and that's where most people get it wrong. And I've argued with people online and offline about this. Ah, oh, CRM's not a sales tool. It's just a management tool and blah, blah, blah. No, it's a sales tool. It is your means of keeping yourself organized so that you can keep in mind and you can keep top of mind the deals that you would otherwise lose because we always know, or, or I'm sorry, we all know, if there's a lot going on, there's a lot going on in your head, there are a lot of distractions, there are always fires to be put out. This is your home base to keep yourself effective. And I can tell you, as I had managerial changes throughout my time with that company, um, some made me keep up with the sheet, others didn't. And I actually found myself going back to it because I was much more effective when I was using it than I was when I didn't. So that's my personal testimonial for organization. Again, I don't like the details. I don't like sitting down for 45 minutes and on a weekly basis and updating what happened that week. It just seems like something else that, gosh, can't someone else do this for me? Can't they? No, 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 no. And I know you have AI tools that will import some of your data and some of that really detail-oriented stuff. If it can be automated, great. But I want you to think about the value of taking a step back on a weekly basis, maybe a bi-weekly basis, and just looking at all your, uh, looking at all your 
your, your opportunities? What are the ones that slipped your mind that week? What are the ones that maybe need your uh, additional attention? There's a value to that. And I, don't, I will not hear an argument against that. There is a value to that. And it will help you close more deals. So don't let your ego... Don't let you, the, your, the fact that your, your feathers are getting ruffled because someone's telling you to do something and you don't know necessarily why they're asking you to do it or you don't agree with the reason that they're asking you to do it. I want you to think about the value of you just keeping yourself organized in whatever way makes sense. And hopefully that aligns with the way the company wants you to do it because where there's less friction there, uh, you can go out and sell more. But you've been thinking about your CRM all wrong. And I want you to think about it differently. So thanks for spending the last few minutes with me. Uh, I appreciate you spending this time. I, I know there are a lot of podcasts out there, a lot of sales podcasts out there, some really good ones. And you're choosing to spend this time with me. I am going to come back next week and we are going into step four of the seven steps to sell like you. This one is know your methods. And I'm going to kick off step four by encouraging you, begging you really, to be more salesy. Yes, I want you to be more salesy. You are hurting yourself by not being salesy. And I can't wait to talk to you then. Rethink the Way You Sell is a Pot About It production. It's mixed and edited by Doug Branson. With music by Blue Dot Sessions and Doug Branson. This podcast is masterminded by Jeff Bajoric.